Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone, and what a day it is. Uh, A lot of things coming out uh, within the last several hours. We want to dive into those things, uh, uh, but first we want to just be thankful um, for what the Lord is is doing in this season, but then also be um, at a place uh, of hopefully peace. And with everything that's going on in the world right now, is it's really interesting to see the real separation, the chasm more so, that is the separation of those who live with and operate under or on top of a foundation of truth and morals versus those who don't. And some things have come out recently that with the Twitter stuff and and other areas where that is becoming more and more profound. And today want to continue along um, in our daily Bible reading, just as we've, we've come out of the, the prayer journey of dethroning the thrones of iniquity. And it's amazing how God lines this out. And when we look in scripture in today's Psalm, Psalms 29, we see um, the examples through David, it's like David's being prophetic and, and the scriptures are still alive that are amazing. And seeing how what this psalmist wrote out, David, wrote out all intents and purposes believed to be David, understand that, is happening right before us. And in t- and there are different times in, the, in seasons that these things occur, but at the end of the day, God's justice and truth reigns. And I want to go through Psalms 29 here because it really just gives, hopefully can give us a piece of what is before us um, at present time. So we see here, starts off, the voice of the Lord in the storm, a psalm of David, ultimately saying, ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. And we see just the majesty of the Lord being proclaimed here from David. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Le- of Lebanon. And this is a, a, a representation of things that seem strong, powerful, unbreakable, but yet the Lord still has mighty power to break them down. And at the time of David, something like that took something of might and power to be able to take it down, even in today's day and age. The machinery to be able to, to, to take down massive um, cedars at that level are are just majestic in and of them since. And, and this is before any of that. And David's just saying, look, this this is how majestic the Lord is. 
And then he goes on to say, he, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. I mean, an ox is not something small. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calf and strips the forests bare. And his temple, and in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And when you read the commentaries on this and an understanding of diving deep into this, this is talking about the Lord's um, real authority to for those who, who are unrepentant, unfortunately, to where look, justice will come. There is the lion. But there's also the lamb. There's grace and mercy, and then there's also the justice uh, within the Lord. And so we see here this representation, and in, to a degree, some of that is happening right now. But God is still, he's patient and merciful, and for anybody, um, you know, sometimes we, we, my generation and younger wants to see justice immediately. There's this lack of patience for some reason. But in reality, is, is thankfully the Lord is patient and gives those who are still in sin, as you know, we all are, all sin and fall short of the glory of God, Scripture tells us, to be able to repent, turn from their wicked ways, and honor the Lord. And in these instances, the cedars of Lebanon that are staunch, that are prideful, the ox that is unwilling to move, think of the day's day and age, the unfortunate events that are, are, are occurring, we're seeing that and we could all be easily in that position. And so a, a hopefully a redemptive heart is within each one of us in finding refuge in amongst the storm right now to guide us through this with a sense of calm and peace to bring about um, proper fear and, and revelation with the Lord. And so it's, it's really an honor, you know, to be walking with the Lord right now as we see this and, and understanding his grace and mercy on the hands of us, not not to allow us to stay in our sin, but to hopefully have our hearts turn from sin. And so we, we it's amazing. This Psalms like this is more than well over 100 years ago. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, George Orwell and some other books and some other commentaries. And a lot of people love to reference those. And I'm not saying those are wrong with trying to descript and, and, and understand what's going on in today's day and age. But who would have thought the Lord, the creator of the universe, the one who knows the end from the beginning, the one who knows every hair on our head, who knew us before we were even in our mother's womb, would foresee this events that are happening right now in our time at least 2,000 years away from Christ's death and resurrection to know, and and David here saying that, look, the Lord still sits on his throne. No matter what's going on, he still reigns there, and he'll bring um, his justice to those who need it. He'll he'll honor and, and be the refuge for those who, who come to him in the midst of the storm, no matter what the situation is, no matter what sins they committed, if you, they truly repent and turn towards him. They can find refuge in him. And so we see that in today's day and age. It is just amazing. It just brings joy to me to, to be able to, to, to look at Scripture, have Scripture come alive like that, and to be able to know that even amongst this storm, the Lord will provide us a way out. He will be our refuge. And that, that gives us hope and a faith, um, hopefully for the long term, 
to be able to continue to endure with what's going on. And that's going to be key um, focus today. You know, it goes in line with let's keep our emotions in check so that we can endure, so that souls can be saved. So with that, let's dive into the news uh, and give some big updates in Israel and then some breaking news here in the United States. And then finally, I want to close out on some things with the Twitter stuff. But um, we now see... Uh, we talked about it yesterday, how Netanyahu was most likely going to look at uh, asking for a, a, an extension to give himself more time to form a government. So there have been now formal declarations made between the national or the religious Zionist party in Israel and the Likud party to say, okay, we've, we've agreed on the positions of who gets what during the term of this Knesset, this coalition at the time frame that they've been given from the laws that exist within Israel, but we want time to outline, again, basically the party line. So yesterday was somewhat of a rumor. Now it's actually coming true. So that's why we where we progress on that. We're also seeing um, yesterday that story about Iranian um, airlines flying from Tehran to Beirut. Is, we're learning now that what this is showing is the... I guess a lack of fear now from Iran of before they would try to hide something like this. But now it's out in the open and to do it at a public airport of possibly moving weapons is a bold move. And they know Israel most likely won't bomb as they did in Lebanon, um, as in Damascus. They won't bomb this airport because of how many innocent civilians are there. So, and, and this is... This is the MO for these organizations in, in Gaza. They use school buildings and hospitals um, to store their weapons, etc. So that's why you see, you know, everybody get up up in an uproar. Oh, Israel bombed a school, blah, blah, blah. There are no children in there when they do it. Um, they're very aware that they send warnings, pamphlets saying, hey, you need to leave, etc. stuff. But that, I digress on that. So we're seeing Iran step up its actions there. Uh, we also... Again, want to continue to point this out that the the um, quote unquote the removal or scaling back of the modesty police in Iran was a total ruse. It's a false. They've continued to go on, continuing to do executions for those who are protesting. Um, so all while this is going on, Netanyahu and his coalition are asking for 14 more days. All intents and purposes, they'll most likely get it um, as they're showing progress. Because I think everybody in Israel is understanding okay this is what the people want let's give them time that they need if not they need to be able to hopefully get this done before i believe it's sunday um but one thing that's interesting is now there's this big push um for israel and iran kind of coming to a head and the u.s is obviously pushing with the iran nuclear deal to try to get something done there um also, the Biden administration is trying to somehow kind of backdoor their way into this administration with military leaders to try to be able to work around some of the officials, which is just completely disastrous. And then, as you see here, this picture of Netanyahu talk about how Iran is closer and closer towards a nuclear um, bomb and capability to be able to do whatever they want. But one thing I want to point out is there's an article from Jerusalem Post talking about um, where the negotiations sit in this. And what's really, really interesting is that Anthony Blinken, 
who is understanding his role as Secretary of State within the Biden administration of doing what the administration wants, but also at the same time, he has come out and pretty much said that uh, they hope that the U.S. will never, are pushing for U.S. will never allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon, but he is also coming out and saying that uh, in an interview with Jake Tapper on CNN that has told uh, Israel that, look, if Tehran won't engage in diplomacy, all options are on the table to ensure that Iran does not obtain a nuclear weapon. So what does that fully mean? And and understand Netanyahu will take liberty with that. If, if it came to it to defend itself or allow a nuclear bomb to go off in Israel, Israel under Netanyahu will 100% defend itself in capability. And so this is quite interesting to see. Now, at the same time you're hearing these, this rhetoric come from our Secretary of State, which we can have our disagreements on some issue, political issues that he stands with and this administration stands with, but hopefully I mean, this is a good thing to hear from um, Anthony Blinken. You're seeing at the same time that's happening, you saw out of the UN recently that they voted on the floor of the UN General Assembly 149 to 6 to try <laughs> to supposedly get Israel to give up its nuclear weapons that it's never declared and never told anybody ever about. And so if they Israel does have nuclear weapons, um, they're not telling anyone uh, for national defense purposes, which I think is very wise if they did have them. Um, but even if they did, I don't think the UN is really in the position to be telling anybody uh, with what they're doing with Iran and, and not preventing them from getting nuclear weapons to be able to do things. And, and what's quite interesting is, okay, you're going to do this vote on, on Israel? Let's do it on Iran. Let's see let's see where your ties lie in this. And this is, obviously, this vote was pushed forward by the Palestinian Authority, so very interesting to see this. One positive note for America is we're not involved. We are part of that small no, no vote, as along with France um, and it's just a few other uh, Canada, Micronesia, Palau, um, and like Liberia, and so we're seeing um, also Ukraine abstain from this vote, which is quite interesting to see that they used they have been voting um, in line with the UN on these of attacking Israel. So there is starting to be a change there. So that's some good news for Iran, obviously because they know. Netanyahu's in office, and they're they're trying to get help um, and weapons and drones to be able to fight these Iranian drones that the Russians are receiving from Iran. So, very, very, very interesting in all of this. Continuing to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for this coalition um, that has been elected by Israeli people to come into office. Now, with some breaking news, um, I want to go ahead and play this video from Fox News this morning about some interesting news out of the Senate. Well, welcome back. Breaking news this morning. Senator Kirsten Sinema registering as an Arizona independent. Sinema making a video announcement saying that she has declared her independence from the broken partisan system in Washington, changing her affiliation from Democrat to independent. So this is quite huge um, to hear that Kirsten Sinema will now be leaving the Democratic caucus to say the least, and register as an independent. Now, there were hints at this and possible hints of Joe Manchin doing something before this, 
uh, and, and there's even a congressman they bring on who says later in this interview who says, well, we, we really thought this would be Joe Manchin with how the Democrats have, have just stood against him on every step of the way. But the reality is Kirsten Sinema is the only one with an actual independent uh, Green Party, as she's run before, um, background. And so could Joe Manchin do it? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, but the more than likelihood is that she would do it. Now, a couple questions arise from this and they're still not being answered, is will she hold her committee seats, her chairman seats, and other things that she of the committee she's on now? Maybe she will, maybe she won't. We'll see that come out in the days ahead um, with her position in the Senate. But then also of who will she caucus with? Will she caucus with Bernie Sanders and other independents, Angus King from Maine, where they currently caucus with the Democrats, because if she caucuses with the Republicans or if she just stays independent and basically says, hey, you now have to convince me otherwise to get your votes through. I think with the election of Raphael Warnock out of Georgia, this brings – could possibly – I'm not saying it will – could possibly bring a foil to a lot of the things that Democrats want to do. She talks about how – and the reason she wants to do this is because America – is tired of the partisan structure within Washington, D.C., and Democrats are saying, well, we're going to vote you out, so okay, cool, why wouldn't I go independent? Because in Arizona, there is a huge contingency of independents that she is going to have to try to win their vote come this next election cycle, and she is up. So this is a, a interesting move. Um, now the question is, does this prevent the Democrats from ramming through a lot of the judges that they possibly would have the ability to do if she voted in line with them? Um, and some other power moves that Chuck Schumer would try to do of, of investigating corporations and all this question of preventing his agenda from going forward. I think it, it, it adds a major dent into, but the real question to, to know whether that's going to actually happen would be is to determine who is she going to caucus with? Is she going to caucus with Republicans or is she going to caucus with Democrats? Or is she going to stay purely independent and not break the mold of this two-party system or this partisan structure and start revealing the cracks within both the Republican and Democratic Party? Because there are factions among them. They're just not realized. Well, does this break this? I'm not necessarily sure it does, but this is a big whammy and a big breaking news story um, and something that will have ramifications and something we'll see the fruits of um, come this next session of Congress and Senate in the year ahead. So huge news there um, as things turn over. Then we're also seeing in the House, yesterday the House passed an $858 billion um, defense bill as part of the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2023 on a 350 to 80 vote. I want to bring this up because there's some things in here that are, are quite interesting to see um, what they consider actually to be defense. So when you go through this, um, it's $45 billion more than Biden requested. And you have everyone from right and left claiming, oh, this is great news. 
Um, this helps Eastern Europe, helps our national security, uh, but also deals with our concerns for China and Indo-Pacific com, um, coming from uh, Republican Mike Rogers from Alabama, who was the chairman of the House Armed Services, uh, ranking member of the House Armed Service Committee, which the Indo-Pacific and China is actually quite interesting to see that they did. Uh, again, this bill is 4,408 page, and the final passage of this bill was passed through earlier this week, and they rushed it through of the House. Now it goes to the Senate. We'll see what happens. Um, some of the things in this, which are, are really quite interesting, are um, they gave raises to military. I think everyone would be comfortable with that. Um, enabling offices to raise basic health housing allowances creating a new entity called the civilian protection center for excellence that focuses on preventing harm to civilians which what does that mean does that mean they're going to try to um police civilians very interesting there uh and authorizing 138.9 billion dollar investment in defense research and development there would really need to be oversight in that because some of the things they research is just D disastrous and then something that is quite interesting to be considered defense is um Funding for research at historically black colleges and universities, which, if you remember, President Trump put an executive order in place to make sure that a situation like this didn't have, have to happen where they came back every year. He basically gave them a 10-year bill saying we're going to continue to do funding on this. Quite interesting to see this considered research. One of the major, major, major interesting things is they're going to now be a wing within the military that will promote the safe storage and personal owned firearms which that's completely fine and i think something that needs to be done but why is the government focusing on this and there has been a history of that throughout the entire country so you could kind of see that um again uh more m money going towards indo basically the the indo-pacific comms com alliance with taiwan taiwan and the countries there in japan to protect themselves against china you're also seeing another 800 million dollar for Ukraine security assistance, again, more money being piled onto Ukraine. There's a huge debate about that. Um, but one thing that it does good come that comes out of that is there is a required inspector general who will be part of that to see where that money is going. Now, will he do his job? Will he follow it? Yet to be determined, yet to be seen. Will they go back and look at where the past money has gone? Again, yet to be seen. So this is what's in this bill. It goes for the Senate this week, next week, to see if it actually gets passed. And then there is also the continued ticking clock coming out of the Senate for passing and Congress, passing a, a government funding bill, uh, which what's being reported now is that there's a $25 million gap, which must be nice to play with money like that, about things moving forward. Um, again, Republicans holding the hope, wanting Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy to hold the line and wait until next year before anything actually gets passed. So we'll see if that actually holds up. And remember the deadline, December 16th, which is next week, uh, that they would need to either do the full omnibus spending bill or do a continuing resolution. And there's talks of doing shorter terms, longer terms, or doing an even longer one into next year to where the new Congress has enough time to be able to work this out. Um, and right now, Republicans are not even being involved in any of this. Uh, and that's the huge thing that I think is quite interesting to see. And a, somewhat of a power move from 
those under McConnell and McCarthy who are just like, look, cool, you can try to negotiate something, but in reality, we're not voting for this. So we'll see who wins out that power struggle there as there is even more of a divide within the power struggles of the Republicans that is coming forward. Now, I want to give a, a brief update on the Moore versus Harper case, Golden Court case out of the Supreme Court dealing with uh, state Supreme Court's power to get involved in uh, redistricting maps and the certain powers that be that they think they have that some are trying to, to understand how far can they go. Just the analysis on this is it does not look good for overturning the case in North Carolina where the Supreme Court in pretty much every constitutionalist understands an overstep of power. And what is not a good readout is the arguments being made for those who are trying to prevent the Supreme Court from overstepping its power and those who are saying, well, the Supreme Court needed to step in because of gerrymandering and all that stuff. The big issue here is that you have John Roberts, <laughs> amazingly, and Neil Gorsuch making a better case for the argument of restricting power of the Supreme State, the state court, than the actual lawyer arguing the case. So that does not bode well, and it, it looks like Amy Coney Barrett sided with um, the liberal justices on this and Kavanaugh as well because they were they blew the argument that the the lawyer was making, which was well, if you allow the state supreme courts to do this, then it's it's a um a th- called a theory with big consequences is what um, Justice Kagan pointed out, and and the idea is. Rather than it being a theory, the the judge, or more so the lawyer in this case, didn't show how they overstepped their bounds, didn't show how this is a problem, and in past cases similar to this, how the, the Supreme Court ruled in favor with the state legislatures rather than the state Supreme Court. So this does not bode well. In reality, in North Carolina, it doesn't matter un- realistically because with this recent election – the state legislature here is going to again with a like v- one vote shy of of supreme majority vote forward a new redistricting map that will honestly be in favor and now the state supreme court leans more um republican with this last election and new supreme court justices have been put in their place so um in the long run it bodes in favor of the state in actually redistricting their map based upon the constituency in the state. And in this case, it, it, the argument was very bad. And this is why it's important to see, okay, just because there's a court case doesn't mean that it will always go in favor of what people understand to be um, upstanding for freedom and the Constitution. Because you not only do you have to have a judge who's going to hear the case with an open and objective mind, which some of these judges didn't, um, and I think it's clear to issue that, but then – on Amy Coney Barrett and, and Kavanaugh is you're still going to have to show and argue legally how certain boundaries and, and in this case per legal procedures were overstepped so it's it's a huge battle and that's what the Obama and now the Biden administration understand is just because things may be illegal you still have to prove them in court. And so that's the reality of these situations and things of has how they play out. So I wanted to give an update on that. And again, we won't know the ruling of that until June, possibly July. So we'll we'll wait on that one. But um, for this case, it doesn't look good. But in overall, it will be 
um, more than likely go back to the original districting map that was put forward that got struck down because of the, how the legislature plays out in North Carolina. Okay, on to some Twitter news. I want to pull up um, some videos to really go through this. So last night, Twitter Files 2.0 came out, and the big revelation is this let me pull this up is that through the filings barry weiss a former new york times journalist came out and found this that through the inner threads and communications within twitter twitter built a blacklist that prevented quote-unquote disfavored tweets from trending on the platform and actively limiting the visibility of entire accounts and even trending topics in secret without informing users, i.e. shadow banning, which I want to play some videos here in a second where Jack Dorsey went out and said, no, we're not doing that. Um, And what's really key is this, is that Weiss noted that there were different layers of censorship that existed at Twitter and that the highest levels of what was called the Site Integrity Policy, Policy Escalation Support, known as SIPAS, where the head of legal policy and trust, Vijaya Gadi, the global head and trust of safety, Yael Roth, and subsequent CEOs, Jack Dorsey, and others, um, were involved in this. And what was part of this, and this is what makes this very, very, very concerning, is that this is where, from someone inside the organization, said the biggest, most politically sensitive decisions got made. Think high follower count controversial accounts, another Twitter employee told us. For these, there would be no ticketing or anything. So on lower accounts where there were things that they didn't want to get out, they would just say, um, they would blacklist you for whatever reason, um, wouldn't allow people to see your tweets and the trending tweets, um, they'd have to go search for you, and then in some instances, outright ban you from being found in searches. And they're like, "Oh well, no big deal." And the reason they're able to, the reason they think they're able to say that um, they weren't shadow banning was because they had a different definition of what they considered their shadow banning to be. They called it visibility filtering. And so that was their terminology for it, VF. So visibility filtering to block what was actually being presented before people, which is quite alarming. But I want to play um, some interview clips from Jack Dorsey that really, really outline this and hopefully can get you to understand the just mental gymnastics that they're trying to play in this scenario. So this is a, a 2018 interview with um, Brian Stelter of CNN and then Jack Dorsey there on the right. The president called you out for shadow banning. What is the truth around that idea? So I, I think a lot of the, in, the the statements behind the statement and the question behind the question is... Um, statements behind the question behind the question. That what, what, what does that even mean? Look, shadow banning is a very widely defined term. There's not one single definition. Uh, so making out to be this big straw man, well, we can't really pin it down. It's not that, like, it's hard to really come together on this. So, and, and remember, they don't define shadow banning in the same way. They find it as visibility filtering. Quite interesting. Um, so the 
definition that we found that seems to resonate with the most. So they come up with their own definition. People is, um, you know, not amplifying particular messages. Or if someone puts out a, a tweet, hiding that tweet from everyone uh, without that person who tweeted it knowing about it. So they're admitting to you right here, 2018, that this is what they're doing. But no, we're not shadow banning. We're not, we're not doing this. Oh, we're not doing the thing you're telling us we're doing that we've admitted to publicly. So, but the real question behind the question is... This is, what he says next is interesting. This, this is the underlying, he's saying, don't look here, look here. Are we doing something according to political ideology or viewpoints? So the question he says there, we re repeat it just in case it gets blocked or whatever, is saying that it's it's not whether we're shadow banning, it's it's whether we're doing this based upon political ideologies or not. And we are not, period. And we are not, period. Remember that. Okay. Now I want to go to, give me a second while I pull this one up. I want to go to a video clip of Jack Dorsey sitting before... Um, platforms the, I'm not sure exactly what committee, but he's sitting before a committee and a U.S. representative, a Democrat, U.S. Mike Doyle, in September 2018, came out and made this these statements. I think, unfortunately, he did not fully understand what he was saying, what he was doing. He was being told things by his staff, and I just think he didn't fully aware of it and he should have kept an open mind and questioned and looked at and been able to look at what was actually going on in Twitter but hear this response because this is very 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 revealing that not only what his statements are but that Jack Dorsey would affirm them and continuing to go on along with these statements premise of this whole hearing uh, and the reason that Twitter somehow, with all the other social media platforms out there, got the singular honor to sit in front of this committee. Singular honor. Uh, you're the sacrificial lamb in reality. Uh, is because there's some implication that, that your site is, is trying to censor conservative voices on your platform. So here's the argument, is you're censoring conservative voices. And here's what this representative has to say about this. Now... When you tried to explain the shadow banning, as I understand it, uh, you had a, a system where if people who were following people had some behaviors, that, that was the trigger. And the question becomes is, who determines what behaviors are bad and are, are good? I.e., what is hate speech? Who determines what is hate speech? That, allowed, that, that caused you to do the shadow banning. So you were really like an equal opportunity shadow banner, right? You didn't just shadow ban... What he says next is very revealing because this is how Twitter is trying to get around this. For conservative Republicans, you shadow banned 600,000 people across your entire platform across the globe who had people following them that had certain behaviors that caused you to downgrade th them. So it's, we, didn't, we didn't go after just conservative Republicans. We went after the 600,000 that majoritarily make up conservative Republicans. That, that, that tends to be the theme here. And here's Jack Dorsey's response. Coming up, is that correct? Correct. So yeah, we did that. They're telling you they're shadow banning. They're telling you they're going after, but the caveat is, well, we're not just doing it to conservative Republicans. We're doing it to, to people who have freedom mindset around the globe. And these recent Twitter files blow that out of proportion. Now, with all that being said,
there's a, a, a final clip I want to play from Clay Travis last night on Fox News that really outlines what is most likely going to happen. But I want to say this, is this is the area where we really need to keep our emotions in check and understand the reason we have peace, the reason going back to Psalms 29 of seeing how the Lord will strip bare the forest, will pull down the cedars of Lebanon, will remove the ox of those who have pride. Eventually the Lord will sit on his throne and show his, his true nature for those of justice. But what Clay Travis outlines, and I would agree with it, is revealing, is calm. if you've been paying attention for a while, we've been saying, look, the, these investigations right now are going to lead to nothing. But I think looking forward, if, and only if, things switch in power politically, and they might, they might, you could have the investigations actually being, turning in the proper manner. But, but, want to hear this because this is very important because this is where a lot of Americans are going to be on right, left, center when more of this stuff comes out. And Sean, here's what I want. I, I saw Dan Bongino, God bless him for everything he was saying. I hope he's right. I hope the House Republicans are listening to us right now. And that's the key. Because this needs to lead directly to criminal prosecutions. That's up for debate whether that will actually happen and he gets And they here. need to paper all of this because there were lies. Basically make a trail have it be there congressional testimony there were lies in all sorts of public statements where you the statements that some of them i just played here going out before for the media you are not allowed to be lying before the house under, uh the government rules i want these guys to be charged with crimes and even if this doj won't do it right now go ahead and do the investigations prepare everything and let's get a republican president in in 2024 so that's going to be the mindset for people. And that's where we got to be careful. Because when you see these events come out, just don't think the enemy is going to lay over as we're seeing right now. Just going to allow this stuff to happen. And 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 I'll, I'll pull this up because Jack Dorsey thinks that allowing this stuff to come out, that he's going to escape clear through this. Um, when Elon put out a tweet... That said, looks like we'll need another day or two following um, the thread of coming out with the Twitter files. And Jack Dorsey says this. He says, if the goal is transparency to build trust, why not just release everything without filter and let people judge for themselves, including all discussions around current and future actions? Make everything public now. Because he, he feels like he's in the right. He feels he's so prideful. He says, I'm going to skate through this no matter what. He's tied directly to this. He lied before Congress. He lied before the Senate. And saying, we weren't doing this shadow banning terminology that you're saying, but we did this visibility verification. Which is just quite interesting. And then we haven't even got to the point of how this current administration was involved with these social media companies. So we'll be paying attention to that over this next week uh, of what's coming out. And as it looks like there's more files that um, Elon has released to come out. And so... We just want to, um, again, be in that place of humility and, and being repentant before the Lord before anything because right now his justice is coming forward. Those who were trying to hide things were revealing them, and if we're not repenting, if we're not being in, in, in that, that secret place with the Lord of dealing with our issues, of dealing with our hard issues, and being at that place of peace, is we could be right in that same position as people like this and being prideful for other scenarios and things that are going on in our life. So 
thankful for those who watched um, all the way through. I wanted to get through those video clips there at the end. Um, we're, again, today on New Prayer going to continue to be going through Chris Reed's prophetic words that he's been having, um, breaking them down a little bit, giving some more insights and praying and seeing where things lie, not only for this nation, uh, for the office of the president, but for the, hopefully the freedoms around this world to arise so that the gospel of the kingdom can be spread, not only in this nation, but around the world. So blessings to each and every one of you. We'll be back here at noon, and I'll be back next week. Um, before the holidays, and before the birth of my son. So I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.